0: Hello, how are you? Welcome to episode number six of the Mental Health Marriage, Taking Back Your Power. This is a podcast for the spouses and partners of those who are mentally ill. I'm your host, and you can call me M. As the spouse of a man with bipolar 2, I will share my story, my struggles, and my insights with you. I hope to build a community where we can all laugh and cry together at the paradox and irony that mental illness can be. And I hope we can help each other keep it together and thrive despite the major setbacks. I believe we create our futures and that we can make better lives for ourselves and our families. So I'll give you guys an update. I have been home for almost a week from my two-week vacation. And I had a pretty bad attitude about coming home. It was so wonderful to be where I'm from and to be around friends and family and it's a gorgeous place so I got to spend a lot of time outside doing some hiking which is one of my favorite things to do and there's not a whole lot of that available where I'm currently living so I was just kind of bummed out and before I left my husband had just been kind of not doing great not doing horrible just kind of like eh. so I think in my mind I just pictured myself coming home to just kind of a blah which obviously was nothing to be excited about so I got home And first of all, our flight was delayed by four hours in the middle of the night, and I was with my two young kids, and it was, (laughs) we survived, but definitely not something you would wish upon yourself. So I was worn out, and I needed to catch up on sleep and stuff like that. But then my husband was working for like three days before we really got to even spend time with him. And then by the time we did get a date together, he informed me that his work schedule got changed, and so he's going to be working for the next four Saturdays in a row, which I just really struggle with when he has to work on Saturdays. He's normally supposed to work every other Saturday, but sometimes they have to change his schedule, accommodating other people's sick and vacation days and stuff like that. So I just really got upset and angry and I kind of was being immature about it. I even like had like an outburst, which is not like me usually. So I was just really angry about it and I think the fact that I had just spent time at home and I really I am really wanting to move back to where I'm from and I did finally communicate this to my husband, which he knows that I don't want to stay here, but I sort of avoid talking about it with him. Just because it can be an area of contention, which we both tend to be avoiders with contention. So sometimes conversations like that aren't very productive. But I did just kind of lay down the law. And I'm like, look, I can do maybe another year here and that is it. (laughs) And I was surprised at his reaction. He just kind of was like, okay, like that makes sense. I understand. So I think maybe the way that he reacted kind of softened me a little bit, and then over the course of the weekend, we communicated some more, and he's like, well, you didn't even ask, but I actually have been doing a lot better, and oh, here is the, here is the celebratory thing. Ever since I got home, the first night, he still slept in the room in the basement, but ever since then, he has joined me in our room at night again. So that means two different things. He's actually sleeping. Hallelujah, hooray, rejoicing. I need some background noises for that because it really is such a big deal and it affects everything. So yay, he's sleeping. And then two, I guess he's not as mentally worried about waking me up and not disturbing me in the night. So having him back in the bed with me, it actually starting to feel like maybe I'm married again. And that's a really good feeling. So the last few nights, I have not slept by myself. And it's been really, really great. And it's such a small thing because you're like, I'm not even conscious. Why does this matter? But it kind of (laughs) does. So I'm just happy about that. And I'm happy that he's doing better. I think that the doctor and him decided that maybe let's not hyper-focus on the sleep as much. Let's just get your mood where it needs to be. And maybe the sleep will follow and so I think that that avenue of approaching it has has turned out well so far. So they just upped his dosage of Lamictal even more. And maybe me being gone was a good thing because he doesn't have kids waking, up, waking him up. He could just do his nighttime routine without any interruption. So to those of you out there who feel like you need a vacation from your spouse, they're going to be okay. <laughs> you should do it because I think it's healthy for both parties. Now that I've overcome my depression about coming home, I think we are doing better. And it forced me to communicate about our living situation. So yeah, mostly really good things. So we've kind of enjoyed each other the last couple of days and we had a good weekend with the family. Mm -hmm. I know I keep saying this, (laughs) but this equipment for the podcasting, you can do things that are simple, like use the program Pamela for Skype but I don't want to pay for it because I already got um, an audio interface and (laughs) we're still just slowly figuring it out. So I'm so sorry. I did get one guest on. I hope you guys enjoyed episode number five. I gained some insights from talking to my friends in that one. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. And I do have people lined up. I swear it's not just going to be me. Hopefully that's okay. So on to the topic of the day, and this obviously is something that I've mentioned before, but I just can't emphasize it enough, so let's just talk about power. Back in the days when my marriage was at its worst and my husband was a shell of a human being from the, the effects of severe depression, one of the hardest things for me to deal with on a daily basis was feelings of helplessness. When your spouse comes to you saying things like they want to die, you of course want to be a hero and figure out a way to fix it. Trips to the emergency room, scheduling doctor's appointments, trying to control what they eat and whether or not they exercise, and many other desperate attempts to control the disease are all things I was guilty of doing. It definitely came from a place of love, but looking back, all of these actions I took were taking away from my ability to own my own happiness. I made my feelings completely dependent on whether or not said treatment would work. In the case of mental illness, there are no guarantees. As is known to our listener audience, even if something works for a while, it might not work forever, and there are always going to be ups and downs. So attaching your happiness on the well-being of your partner or their mood state is a really dangerous game that we have all played (laughs) and probably lost many times. During these times, I was definitely in what you'd call survival mode. The feelings that I suppressed were very dark and ugly, and when they did bubble to the surface, I was too horrified to really face them. I just kind of wanted to numb out. There's a myriad of ways that people do this. I'm not a drinker, and I'm grateful that I'm not because I'm pretty sure my husband and I both would have turned to alcohol in an unhealthy way at this time. Some people turn to other relationships, and unfaithfulness happens. I honestly have complete sympathy for people in those situations. When you're living with someone who does not in any way feel like a lover or a partner and more like a really bad roommate, it can be crushingly lonely. This wasn't my way of coping either. For me, I think I turned to a few things pretty consistently. Consumerism, food, and perfectionism. (laughs) So let's start with the first one, consumerism. This seemed like such a small thing because I wasn't the kind of person that would rack up thousands of dollars in credit card debt. I didn't necessarily go out and buy big expensive things, but it was like a slow, constant trickle. So this was things like going and spending 20 bucks on a new shirt, which I definitely didn't need, or taking myself out to lunch more than is normal. And doing those things occasionally can be great. There's nothing wrong with it. And, you know... It it can be a pick-me-up for sure. But I was doing it a lot, pretty... And just thinking about the amount of money we were making, I could have been much more wise with my money. And I think the bigger part of that problem was... It wasn't necessarily like, oh, I shouldn't have bought all those things. I shouldn't have eaten all those restaurants. It was more like, what else could you have done with that time? I think that's the bigger part of it. So another thing I did... Um, was exercise and that was kind of to (laughs) to offset my eating again I'm kind of I would say I'm like a mild overeater I have been at a pretty healthy BMI for most of my life I had some years in college where I definitely ate way too much pizza and I was probably 15 to 20 pounds overweight but for the last 10 years, I honestly, like you wouldn't look at me and go, oh, they're struggling with health or eating because I, I maintained like a pretty healthy body weight and stuff like that. But the reason that I was able to pull this off was because I exercised a lot. So we're talking going to the gym six days a week and spending two hours working out, which I say that now and it sounds so exhausting And I'm like, let's see, how many hours is that? That is 12 hours that I could have spent building a business or playing music or connecting with friends, which would have been a nice combination along with some moderate exercise. Yeah, it just sucked up most of my time. Now, I did also work, but the nature of my work is pretty part-time, and I kept it that way on purpose because I had my daughter and I was in charge of her, so... But I just spent a lot of time with my young daughter doing stuff that felt like I'm just killing time. I'm just waiting for what's ever next. I'm waiting for my husband to get better. I'm waiting for him to get a job so that we can have a house. I'm waiting on these factors outside of myself to fix my life and make me happy. And I have learned that those attempts were ways of trying to take power that I subconsciously perceived was taken from me. I was very focused on anything that I could control. Another example, I don't know if I've shared this before, but I have kind of always prided myself in the fact that I get ready every single day. Even as a mom with a newborn, I took a shower, put on makeup, got dressed in regular clothes, and did my hair every single day of my daughter's life. Now, some of you listening may be like, that girl is crazy. (laughs) And I think it's sort of like, yeah, I probably am crazy. And I think I need to cut myself some some slack. And I also need to realize that people will still love me if I didn't do full makeup that day. <laughs> and I can also not wear high heels when I'm alone in my house. <laughs> Which, confession, I'm totally wearing high heels right now while recording this podcast in my basement. So part of that, I think, is just me. I do it because it makes me feel good. And I do it because I like it. And it is that power thing like, well, I can't control how my husband feels, but I can control how I feel about myself. And part of how I feel about myself is getting ready and getting dressed every day and exercising, taking care of my body. That's something I can do. But I think some of these things that you would think were healthy, I kind of took them a little too far. Like I was exercising too much. I was worried too much about what I was wearing every single day. And maybe connecting it to my sense of self-worth more than I should have. So yeah, it's, it's a very tricky balance. We are made to be decision makers, problem solvers, and the big one, creators. When we get to a place where our lives don't reflect this at all, it feels wrong down to the core of our being. My life is not perfect, nor is it meant to be, but I am breaking the habits of some of my old ways. I would eat when I was bored or lonely and then exercise for too long, like I was saying, when instead I could have been doing something that truly fed my soul. So what is my point? What am I getting at here? Well, here's the big put this in stars, make this bold. We need to create more than we consume. I'm not saying that you can never consume because obviously we need to stay alive, sheltered, fed, and clothed. And we need to have some fun in our lives. But when you look at the ratio, what have you actually made in your life as opposed to what have you consumed? So what do you create? Are you a cook or a crafter, a designer, an artist, a musician, a writer, a teacher, a woodworker, a gardener? What is the way in which you can use your unique gifts in the world? So looking back, it's kind of crazy to me, all the things that I did to try to make myself feel better and all the ways I tried to control my husband's situation, all of those things, you know, some of them were helpful in a small way, but I think the thing that was the most helpful for me when things were the worst was my work. And I'm lucky enough to have a job that is totally connected with my passion. It's, um, I teach music. And so it kind of plays on the things that I love the most. So I obviously, I get to play music, which is so wonderful. And then I also feel like I'm a teacher at heart. So I get to use my teaching and I love people and I get to connect with people doing this. And so it's something I can really put myself into. So in the worst of times, and especially even, I remember the week my sister died, I remember just thinking, I don't even know how I'm going to get through the next five minutes and i did take some time off obviously because i had to travel for the funeral and i wanted to spend time with my family during that first week but i jumped right back into my job and in, into my teaching i think only a week and a half or 2 weeks after my sister passed away and i think some of my students thought i was crazy <laughs> and they're like don't you need some time and i'm like no you don't understand like this is one of the reasons one of the good reasons I have for being alive. I need to share myself. I need to use my gifts. I need to connect with the world in a meaningful way and this is my power to create that I have. So I need to do this. Please come back. Please let me teach you. <laughs> so, in the same thing, I I remember really specifically my students that came over some of the weeks when my husband was hospitalized or when he was doing ECT. And just having that human connection combined with using my creative power. (laughs) I say power. I mean, it really is. It's using your own brain and your own mind and your own heart to do something that only you can do. Now, obviously, the world is full of music teachers, but there's no one who does it exactly like me. And I think that's super cool. So it just continues to be a source of joy and something I always consider to be a really good use of time for me. So I want you to kind of use this as an exercise for yourself. So number one, do you work? A lot of you do. And I will say everyone does because if you're a stay-at-home mom, you still definitely work. It may not be paying you, (laughs) which you totally deserve to be paid. We should figure out a way around that. So what do you do for your work? What specific tasks are you involved in on a daily basis? And is there a way that you could put more of yourself into your work in a way that would be energizing to you? I don't think it's healthy to ask, what can I do more? Because some of us, when we have a mentally ill spouse, it's like, don't ask me to do another thing. I am already stretched so thin that even thinking about it makes me want to burst into tears. I have definitely had conversations like that with people. So I'm not saying do more just for the sake of doing more. I'm saying, how do you use your own creative gifts and powers to enhance your life in some way? Now, I think it's a beautiful thing when you can monetize your creative gifts because those of us who have mentally ill spouses very often also have financial difficulties and it can feel so unsafe to place our financial health on the shoulders of someone unstable. So for me, it has always brought me huge peace of mind to have a secondary income that I'm in charge of. I know at least I can continue doing that and we will be able to stay afloat. There's probably a thousand reasons why I choose to work, but that's one of them. It's a security thing for me and it's using my creative gifts. Is there an idea that you've had that maybe in the past you've thought, no, oh, that could never happen. I want you to take those ideas or those dreams that you have, like, what if I did this? I think we need to take those more seriously. That could be our wiser inner voice telling us something that's actually possible and we can't let our own fears drown it out. I'm reading the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which it's pretty dang amazing, so I definitely recommend it. But at the beginning of the book, there's this poem that I think is very insightful. It's by a man named Jesse B. Rittenhouse, and the poem is entitled, My Wage. So here it is. I bargained with life for a penny, and life would pay no more. However, I begged at evening when I counted my scanty store. Your life is a just employer. He gives you what you ask. But once you have set the wages, why, you must bear the task. I worked for a menial's hire, only to learn dismayed that any wage I had asked of life, life would have willingly paid. Let that sink in for a minute. Any wage I had asked of life, life would have willingly paid. I think some of us don't realize that we're allowed to ask things of life, ask things of the universe, and sometimes we'll get an answer and in our own fears, will shut it down. But really, there's a lot of abundance in the world, and there's so much possibility, and it's our job to create and cultivate and reap the benefits, honestly. And we can, we can do this in a way that will be a blessing to our families, a blessing to ourselves, and helpful for everyone around us. I think my job is so cool because, number one, I enjoy it. Number two, I get money for it. Number three, my family has the benefit of that money. And number four, guess what? These people are happy to pay me because I'm providing a service to them that they need and want. So everyone wins. It's a beautiful thing. And I also love the fact that all the time I'm spending teaching, I'm not spending at the mall buying stuff I don't need. So (laughs) it's great. Before my husband entered the medical field, he was really interested in sound engineering and songwriting. The corporate world has kind of sucked him up and there's no room in his life for anything that he's actually interested in, even though he is good at his job, I have the feeling that if he did have more time to create something unique to him, that he would have a bit easier of a time managing his mental illness. I hope to get our family to a place financially where he only has to work part-time, so he could invest more time in himself. And I have really changed my views on this. I used to think there are so many millions of people out there who sing or who play guitar or write poetry, and they've got the creativity thing covered. The world doesn't need my contributions. That is so sad, people, and it's a lie. Sure, there are endless amounts of creations out there for people to be inspired by, but we really are all unique, and we can't stifle the fires in our hearts because of fear of rejection or laziness or or because we don't have the time because we're too busy looking at Pinterest or buying things we don't need. A couple of months ago, I was folding laundry in my bedroom and I had Spotify on. It was a playlist that Spotify created for me based on my musical interests. I'm a big acoustic girl, so the song came on that was just a girl and a guitar, and for some reason it drew me in completely. I was really touched thinking about how because of art and because of this girl's bravery to put her work out in the world, her and I shared a moment of connection. She isn't famous. I don't even know if she'll make much money on her album. Who knows? But in that moment, I was so grateful for the spark of creativity and willingness on her part to act on it. It was a gift that I was able to receive. When things are insane with our spouses, what can we do to take back our power? We can create. We can grow a business. We can uplift another with kindness. We can paint a picture. Basically, make something that only can be made by you, and you will be so filled with how good it feels. And if you feel so inclined, don't be afraid to share. There are critics, but there are also people that need your unique voice. And you just never know what opportunities are going to arise from being brave enough to put yourself out there. So I think that's pretty much it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in and supporting the podcast. I hope that this was helpful. And I really can't emphasize enough how much this concept has helped me in my personal journey and has helped my marriage. And I just want everyone to know how great it is if you don't already. So with that, I hope you have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you next time. But before I go, I will say, don't hesitate to send me an email at mentalhealthmarriage@gmail.com at gmail.com is the email for the show. I would love to hear your story. I would love to line you up on the calendar to be a guest in the future. I would love to just hear your feedback and maybe suggestions for future topics.